You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informed Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on the 17th of September and like knee deep in Battle of the Atom stuff right now. And I got to tell you so far, we're not going to talk about it, but so far, quite a bit better than AVX. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> that's not exactly that's the bar it up to a high stand. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty low bar, but let's be honest so far, I'm, I'm kind of digging what I'm reading. Oh, yeah. Very, very creative. All right. So this week, though, we're going to be working on something different. We actually, we we keep telling people, if you have a suggestion of something you'd like us to read, let us know. We'll do it. And sure enough, we got one from Justin, who was talking about The Sword, which was a series that came out a while back, and that was on uh, on Image, and it was by... The Luna Brothers, Luna, what what is it? Yeah, Luna Brothers, Luna. Uh, Joshua Luna and Jonathan Luna, who did like damn near everything from story scripts, layout letters, um, all the illustrations and the book design. They did pretty much everything on it. And well, that's kind of good and not so good at points, but we'll get into that. The series ran for 24 issues and it was actually back in 07 and 08. Did it run till 08 or all in? Yeah, it would have had to, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and basically, we're looking at a some Greek mythology in here with gods and some of it pointing to actual things that happened and uh, or actual locations, different things and beliefs and mixed in with a modern twist kind of thing. Before we get... Too far into it. Uh, I've read the whole thing. And the 24 issues. You can pick them all up easily. And uh, I, I read the whole thing. Part of it was because I enjoyed aspects of it. And part of it was just the way I am. <laughs> I had to read it all. I started it. It's like I know it's only 24 issues. I have to know how it ends. So even if there are things that I'm not necessarily as crazy about, uh, yeah, I'll muscle through. It's like eating your peas and stuff just so that you can get the good stuff after. And you've gotten in a dozen so far. Yeah. Now, that being said, okay, well, again, we'll get to it later on. Are you going to finish reading them all? Possibly. I mean, as we'll discuss as the story goes on at this point, I don't have much of a driving interest in seeing how the rest of the story plays out. Okay. All right. So that means I can spoil as much as I want? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. So for everybody else, (laughs) spoilers. Uh, So basically what this is, is if we lay down the, the setup from way back when we're looking at Crete circa 2100 BC, the we're looking at the Minoans, Minio, yeah, Minoans, which was basically a society in Crete back in the Bronze Age, and they were going through a hard time. Things weren't good, <laughs> and so people were praying to their gods for help and for all manner of things. And a woman, uh, her name was Ida, she actually started proclaiming that there was only one god. Not all of the gods that the Greeks believed in, but one. And that she was praying to this one god. Well, of course, 
especially in that time, you're looking at getting stoned to death for saying something like that out loud. And sure enough, she was actually expelled from her her city, her, her little town village. And she was forced, she was banished and forced to live out in the, the mountains surrounding the, uh, the city. So what happened is that you find out later, she actually bore four children. And it's claimed that it was a, you know, virgin birth kind of thing. And that these four children are actually gods in and of themselves as well. So you have three brothers and a sister. So what you find out is that Shortly thereafter, well, shortly in the terms of grand history, we're talking about 300 years, um, there was a big celebration because a young man actually did something that had not been done up until then and basically jumped the ball. (laughs) It's a big deal then, I guess. And so he is seen as just this, it's an omen and it's just, he's going to be a great thing. And so... This young man, Demetrios, they they have a big celebration for him and whatnot. And it's that celebration, which, again, it's grander because it's a Greek story. It, makes, it wakes everybody up. And it's, you can hear the celebration going on all over Crete, apparently. And it brings these four gods, these four siblings, down from the mountain to come and tell people, basically, just shut the hell up. You're making too much noise. Now, you find out later that these, the children had always been told by their mother not to um, interact with humanity because they were barbaric and because of everything else that they'd obviously done to her. And so she didn't want any harm to come to the children. Now, granted, these children who are older now, obviously, and they don't look like kids anymore. They look like, you know, in their early 20s kind of thing. um, They are pretty much... You can't hurt them. Plus, on top of that, they each have they each control an element, whether it's earth, fire, and water and wind. So they come down and they start telling these guys, "Listen, shut the hell up!" And then they 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 tell them eventually who they are and that they're gods, which basically leads the people to laugh at them and and eventually attack them. Now, they don't actually attack first. It's one of these gods, Phaistos, or Phaistos, yeah, Phaistos, Phaistos, like, we're going with that. He, he is the one that attacks first. He's had it with them, and he is insulted when they refer to them as demons, so he basically torches the better part of a family, and it turns out later on, you find out this is the family that uh, it was it was Demetrios's family, the the young lad that just jumped jumped the bull. So, at this point here, now we wind up you wind up seeing that these gods can be corrupted and with power, and so they decide that they are going to start ruling and not just go and hide back on their mountain, and so they take up different cities on the island of Crete, and they start ruling, and basically the power starts corrupting them, especially this Phaistos. And there's, again, there's, there's there's a lot of, if you like Greek mythology and those old stories, and like you love reading Joseph Campbell stories and things like that, you're going to enjoy these these moments where they go back and they, they tell some of these things that are going on. 
I would have thought that this would have been right up your alley. It it didn't really do anything as far as the actual Greek myths were concerned, though. It just took place in ancient Greece. Yes, yes. I, if if they had brought in such a, something such as say you know like the Minotaur, which you know Minoa is where the Minotaur lived, and maybe brought an aspect of that into the story, I would have been more interested. But as far as like the actual Greek myths, it was kind of non-existent for the overall story. Well, the way I looked at it, it was just again, it was it was inventing some. That sure. kind of blended in with what would have been happening in that time kind of thing. And for that, I gave them credit because it, it worked. It was I, – I thought it was well done in terms of, you know, you can put this side by side with some of the other mythologies of that era and – and it worked. It was comparable in terms of, you know, the everything that was happening and the the – the aspects of the supernatural with the, the gods and all of these things. So as a parallel to that stuff, yeah, that was actually one of the high points of the story for me was the, the backstory I thought was pretty well done. Yeah. So, okay. To, to, to wrap it all back again now. So, and before, actually, before we do that again, power starts corrupting three of the siblings decide that they need to do something about Phaistos, who's basically gone over the over the edge here. He's just, it, it, things are getting bad in his neck of the woods. Now, before that, as a symbol, the four of them crafted a sword. This was a little kind of, and as a means of forcing a sword into the mythology. I wasn't as crazy about this, but again, it, it works. So they crafted this sword, and you find out later on that... This is the only thing on the planet that can hurt them. And they didn't realize that this would be the case. But during the ceremony, one of them was actually cut by the sword. And so that's when you realize, okay, there's more going on here. So one of them, the the woman, the sibling, uh, Malia, she actually takes a sword, gives it to Demetrios. The plan being go kill Phaistos because he's batshit crazy i'll bleep that out and so phaistos had been working for or sorry demetrios had been working for phaistos under the guise of being just a servant to try to find a way that he could get revenge for what phaistos did to his family so he's close the others realize this and essentially that this is his plan kind of thing and so malia gives him the means to do this by giving them the sword so sure enough he goes up kills him and then instead of giving the sword back to them which is what they want he says no you guys have gone too far you are basically using your power and it's corrupting you and you're doing terrible things so you're all going to stop or i'm gonna kill you and remember this guy can jump bulls so gods are gonna listen to him (laughs) All right. And so so they all kind of agree. And it's like, you're going to live like normal human beings and not gods. And then throughout the ages, he's basically peeked in on him because this is, again, this is 2100 BC. Well, actually, by that point, it was later on. But but the sword heals whoever is holding it. And so it's kept him young all these years as well. 
and allowed him to keep tabs on these three gods to keep them in check. And it makes reference to the pharaohs and to other things too, and how they keep trying to rise to power. And he just kind of steps up and says, no, no, no. But instead of killing them, he believes there is good in them and that they can be redeemed, even though, you know, thousands of years keep passing by and they keep doing bad stuff. But it's like, he believes that there's a greater good in them. So he gives them a, you know, second, third, fourth chance. And so where you actually start off the story, the series, is that these gods have found Demetrios. But he's not a young, dangerous, sword-wielding freak now. He is an old man, and he has a family. And so they find him, they bust into his house, and they hold him and his family, of which he's married and has two daughters, one of one of them in a wheelchair. And he, they, they hold them all essentially hostage while they question uh, Demetrios to get the sword. Now, Demetrios keeps saying that he's not Demetrios and that he is, you know, just some guy and that he doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Even when they start killing off different members of the family. So they kill off the mother and the sister, and then they they accidentally, quote-unquote, kill off Demetrios as well. And then eventually the uh, they realize, well, okay, well, maybe it wasn't him. Like, where where's the sword? And, like, he wouldn't have just let... His family died. Now, meanwhile, the girl in the wheelchair, Dara, she has fallen to the ground and she's in hysterics, of course. And so they're leaving and they basically just say, you know what, just take care of her. And they they tell Malia to do that. And just as she's turning to, quote unquote, take care of her, the floor gives out because there's a fire in the house and everything. The floor gives out and she falls into the basement. Our like unfinished basement below the house. So basically, the gods figure, well, especially Malia, she figures she's as good as dead. She's a woman, a girl in a wheelchair. So she leaves her there. And then they take off, and sure enough, she looks over, and what's planted in the ground underneath the house? A sword. And in touching that sword, it heals her, allows her to walk, and basically that's where the action starts to take place because now she is seeking revenge on these gods for what they did to her family. The first issue... <gasps> okay, see, I, mean, I need to take a breath now, so it's on you. Yeah, I, <laughs> the, the first issue, issue actually did draw me in because the first dozen or so pages, I thought the Luna Brothers did a pretty good job of establishing you know, just a normal life for, for these characters where so many times in comics when they try to do the whole normal thing, it still doesn't come off as quite sincere. But, I mean... This these characters were normal to the point of just kind of being boring because, well, let's face it, most people Are. just kind of have a boring life. Yeah. So when that was suddenly shattered, we you know, these powered beings coming in, I, I thought it was actually a pretty strong shift in the tone of the story in that first issue. Well, actually, that kind of progresses throughout the majority of the 24 issues where these flashbacks showing her with her family at different points and different lessons that she's learned and how she applies them to what's happening to her in the now. Uh, Most of those were highly relatable moments, especially like for myself thinking about it in terms of a family and how you deal with your kids and how, you know, your kids are reacting to different things and not that, you know, I'm stuck in a wheelchair 
but I could relate to some of the problems that she was having with her mobility and stuff and how the family reacts to it as well, which was, it was interesting. So I kind of, I, I was all right with those flashbacks as well. And I thought it worked well and showed, you know, a, a, a strong family dynamic there. Yeah. So up until this point, again, we've gotten a lot of different things going on and it basically keeps the, the, the once that ball is rolling of going out, finding these gods, hunting them down and having to deal with corrupt government officials, which I mean, of course, and dealing with various people trying to hurt her, trying to deal with the negative spin that the media is putting on her because of different things that she's had to do. Self-defense always, of of course, with the exception of when she gets her hands on a god. <laughs> Not so much self-defense <laughs> at that point. But uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of things going on. And it's, it's fairly, I, I'll say that it's fairly well paced in terms of beginning to end, having to tell the story of this normal girl who goes through a terrible and something that no one could relate to because again she's dealing with gods here who kill her family and then the sword that heals people the pacing was very good to keep you interested between the the flashbacks which are necessary and the action of again that chase and the fights as well see for me the pacing kind of threw me off uh where issue six was basically, you know, the big exposition dump with all the all the backstory of yeah. Demetrios and the gods. That all actually came out in issue six. And like I said, for me, that was probably the most interesting part of the story. So to throw all that information out there in like one big chunk, like it didn't give me personally much of a reason to like stay interested because I already knew everything that to me was the most interesting part of the story. I felt it could have could have been served a little better as you know just giving some of that throughout the story right. instead of just all in one big chunk like that it, it threw me off i think though that if they would have done that it would have actually it would have slowed down things as the story progressed so because as it was you're getting flashbacks of her given life justin something to do well <laughs> Okay, a lot more happens with Justin later okay. on, and I'll leave it at that. Because <laughs> he was really getting on my nerves. Yeah, oh, that that continues. But he's a necessary character. He's required for the story, and you see later on as well. And and that works out fairly well. Now, the thing is, is that the, again, if you're looking at it in terms of how the story is progressing with this getting as much of the backstory done as you need to to lay that groundwork because it's ramping up like an action movie would. Once that action is ramped up, you don't want to be bouncing back too many times and they already have some of those bounce backs for her history, let alone the history of the gods. Right. And even that being said, even at where you're at, you're only halfway through there are still a number of flashbacks for the gods as well going back in time, as well as Demetrios and the gods going back in time. So if you had to bounce back for all of those in addition to this original stuff, I really think it would have clogged down the story later on too much. 
See, because the, the second story arc where she's hunting down Zakros, the, the one brother, that's where the story really slowed down for me. And it was kind of like, do I really want to continue with this? Because throughout the majority of that story arc, you know, we already knew the major- you know, most of you know, the backstory. And it, the Dara's personal flashbacks really didn't pop up until I think like the last issue when she was actually fighting Zakros. With, with you know her dealing with you know, her her paralysis and all that, so it was really like a long road trip, and I was just like, "What are we doing here?" It, that that second story arc was a little slow for me. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. There are different points, and that's the thing too. When I, if people ask me like, you know, should I read this? Is it worth reading? I can't, you know, unequivocally say yes. Definitely read this. I I just can't because at points. It was work, and it wasn't the. Not every single issue is um, as memorable, as memorable, or as good to read. The, the writing is solid throughout, but solid is not always good either, and that's something that comes through here as well. The, it, I mean, again, let's go back to this issue number six that has all of this backstory. <sighs> Be prepared to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was like every single panel is it was a Claremont full, issue. full, full of text. And it's very much telling you, not showing you in a lot of cases. So it's not always handled well. And then the other thing, too, is um, – and it's uh, Joshua who does the writing, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah, Joshua does the writing. Um, Joshua needs to – or sorry, no, it's uh, Jonathan. Uh, well, no, it's actually both of them do story and script. The actual <laughs> script is J- Joshua, so I was right. Joshua needs to um, learn to write as other people uh, more effectively. And by that, I mean his, he hasn't worked on his quote-unquote voices enough. Everybody sounds the same. There, with a few exceptions, everybody talks the same. And in some cases, it's almost robotically perfect in terms of the sentence structure and everything, which is fine if you're, you know, you're writing an essay, but people don't talk like that. And so there were points where I really noticed that a lot. And that always throws me off. Hmm. And then there's the art. This is not an art style. I like it's, I, I really don't want to be insulting in how I, what I say about it, kind of thing. But there's, there's it's only by no means bad. Let's it's put it that you know way. what it is, and it's the the term sounds insulting, but it's not. And I'll explain very quickly. Okay, it's very immature style of art, and by that I mean it's typically this is how somebody will draw until they've had a lot more experience drawing. And so it's it, it, it strikes me very much as the type of art you would see from somebody who's just starting off in high school or whatever. And they might be exceptional artists, very good, and you can see potential and see. But it's like it's, it's a very – it hasn't matured yet. That's – again, and I know it sounds insulting, but it's not. It's just damn near everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. The facial structures are – very, very similar for damn near everybody. The bodies have, again, it's it's the type of art you'd see from someone who is still, you know, 
starting out hasn't yet matured in their styles. Like, I mean, you, you, you look at the bodies, some of these side poses, and you can almost see the rectangular shape of everybody's bodies and how they stand with their arms straight down and everything. Yeah. So that's, that's really the term I was going to use to describe it was mechanical. Yeah. So it, it is, it does not come off as very natural. Yeah. But there are other things like, you know, panel layouts and, you know, stuff like that. Like the, the, the visual flow of the comic I thought worked. So there's, there's def, there, there's definitely a, a groundwork here that just needs a little more refinement. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and unfortunately, I really didn't think it got much better, you would think, over the course of 24 issues, that mm-hmm. there'd be a substantial shift in style. And maybe it was a conscious choice not to. There, there, it, there is a difference. You can see that there is a difference. But it's fairly minimum, which again leads me to believe that this is just the style of the artist. Mm-hmm. And it's not one I'm particularly fond of see I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with the luna brothers they really haven't put a lot of work out there at this point yeah. uh, in their careers and so this is really my only uh exposure to them so yeah so uh, I, I don't want to go too much into what is going to be happening throughout the series because some people may want to read it there's there's a lot that that goes on the some of the things that happen feel a little too forced. Like the sword again, it it, it was almost as if they thought, okay, we need to make this Greek story with a sword. How do we force this sword into the story? And that may very well not be how (laughs) they originally thought of it, but that's how it feels. And there's other things throughout as well. Like how would they get all this information about the past that Justin is telling Mm -hmm. about? And so it's that, well, Demetrios was actually, her father was actually a teacher and he wrote stories and told his classmates about this. Now, you find out a lot more about that as the series progresses. And again, I don't want to spoil, I, I don't have a problem spoiling some stuff, especially because it's an older series, but some people may be reading it and it's fairly important to the plot, so I don't want to spoil some aspects of it. But you wind up thinking for the longest time, like really seriously, that doesn't make sense. The character wouldn't do that. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But it's it feels forced because they need that history in there to create the backstories. So mm-hmm. there's different things like that that happen throughout that that feel forced, and that between that and the the writing that everybody sounds the same for the most part, and the the art. Again, that's where when I'm thinking about it, did I enjoy reading it? Yeah, I'm glad I read it all, but. If this were coming out as a regular series now, without knowing when it's going to end and all that, this would not be on my pull list. Yeah, I think this would have been a very aggravating read month to month. So so that's where I stand on it. You got any other thoughts? No. It's, like I said, it's, it's a solid concept with uh, you know, some executional uh, flaws. But like I said, there's, there's, there's potential here, and I would be interested to see you know, more work some from these guys. Done. Yeah. So – Again, 
people can pick it up. And again, as we've said time and time again, these are our opinions. Let us know if you've read it. Let us know what you thought about it. And uh, let us know in the comments. And uh, from there, we'll, uh, we can, again, tell you you're wrong. <laughs> if you don't agree with us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what we are reading. There's a, 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 I'm purposely avoiding... Battle of the Atom stuff because we will be covering it later on when it's done. I uh, I have been reading them and like I said initially, I'm actually I've been enjoying it. I've been which is surprising considering the crap events we've had lately. So, but anyways, um, X Men Legacy number sixteen because seventeen is coming out. Did you read sixteen? Yes, I did. God damn! Yeah, this comic is so good. <laughs> this comic is amazing. I would have never thought that they could take. David Haller and make him into such a phenomenon anymore. Yeah, you can't. That's why you know to say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, this is phenomenal. So basically in this one here, he decides that's it. He's had it. He's basically kind of lost it a little as well after watching his mother get shot. And he decided that's it. I'm going after Cyclops. Now, the entire thing here going after him, I thought was just so good. And then how you're seeing him deal with everybody else around him as well, as well as like, you know, Magneto and everything. It was really, really good. The thing that I especially loved, and it wasn't until literally the last friggin' page, is that he goes up against, he's, he finally gets to Cyclops, and it's like, we're just going to go at it, you know, old school fists and which is a ridiculous concept. Okay, fine. But he goes up and it's that big panel that shows him and Cyclops with their fists up. And David says, come at me, bro, which is just a saying, but actually dive into that a little bit more. Cyclops was Mm -hmm. a surrogate son to Xavier. And so, David being the actual son of Xavier, there is that type of oddball brother thing going on between the two of them. So then when you kind of come to terms with that, which I'm going to assume was the purpose here, I'm going to give him credit (laughs) that this is what they planned. It puts a whole new spin on it. And it's not just about him going after Cyclops, the guy, but it's about going after this man who was a son to his father and really kind of paints a different picture at that point. Well, I've seen that a lot actually through X-Men legacy where, you know, David will have, you know, these colloquialisms or even things like song lyrics and titles that if it had popped up in any other comic, it would have been kind of out of place. But for some reason, Spurrier just makes it work for David's dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this series is fantastic. This this issue was wow. I really really enjoyed it. Did you read Forever Evil number one? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, kind of what I was expecting for the most part. I can't say I was disappointed. <laughs> so I mean, it's yeah. And this was the issue where they're coming out and they're. Saying that they're taking over, basically recruiting all the bad guys, and you can either work for us or we'll kill you. And, uh, I mean, 
nothing surprising. They they actually revealed Nightwing, which is going to be interesting for number issue number two because that's going to mess with the actual canon now. Although you know, with DC canon, <laughs> pretty <laughs> canon's a boomerang with <laughs> with DC. So who knows what that that's going to mean? But uh, but yeah, I. I wasn't disappointed because this is pretty much what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Did you read Infinity the Hunt? I actually haven't checked that one out yet. Okay, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> oh my! I know God. what it is, and I know it was the exact wrong comic for you to read. Oh, you should have told me. <laughs> I had no clue what I was getting into, and then I started reading, and it's like, oh my God, this is Hunger Games for freaking mutants and kid heroes. And it is. This was. Oh, can we just say ben, Franklin wins? Can we just you know, Franklin kills all of you Franklin's guys. Franklin's not on Earth. Franklin's gonna put you in his closet and just leave you there. Okay, you guys stand no chance. Um, injustice. Yeah, that's it. Had it going straight after Batman. God, I love this series. Supposedly, issue 36 that just came out today is the last issue for a while. Really? Why? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just saw, to, saw Tom Taylor on Tom Taylor on Twitter <laughs> saying that uh, it was going on a hiatus. Oh, well, goddamn. That's not cool. Okay. As, at, at this point, they've pretty much caught up to the game. I don't so care about the game. I don't know what more game. they can do. I don't care about the game. <laughs> well, the, the rest of the story has already been told. So. Yeah, oh, man. Because this was freaking awesome. My God, it was awesome. Uh, did you read Mighty Avengers? I know you wanted to. Yes, I, I did enjoy reading it. You <laughs> What? It's Grey Glan's artwork, so I enjoyed oh, yeah, the yeah, words. Yeah, no, I, don't, <laughs> I know. I saw that, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be hearing about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, there's Pepper Potts. <laughs> but hold on a second. She looks a little like Halle Berry as well. What the hell? <laughs> I, I kind of, I wasn't as crazy about the story to tell you the truth. It's a bunch of characters I love all coming together. So. Yeah, I, I mean, some of it was really good, and I mean, Luke Cage didn't completely tick me off. But I mean, Luke Cage is when you mean they made such a big deal. You know, oh, I'm retiring, and it's like, has it even been like two months? <laughs> Like how long has it been? Apparently, retirement is a questionable amount of comic time because apparently the baby's gone from an infant to a toddler. Yeah, so it's like you're not retired. Um, I did love the Spider Hero. <laughs> Take that off <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, once again, other writers getting hold of Otto has yes. been brilliant. Yes. So yeah, I did really like Otto, and this was phenomenal. So I'll keep reading it, but. Uh, and I mean, this was not, I don't know. It was all right, but they better have a lot of auto in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, and Uncanny X-Force. Did you read that one? Which still one fantastic. Then? Still very good. And that's the, basically fighting off these, what are they called again? The Revenants. Yes. I love so, how Puck's Revenant is tall and has yeah, hair. Yeah. And he loves And that's that actually a weakness. What, what I love is that you see first Aurora fighting off her Revenant, and then you see Psylocke fighting off 
hers and there's a little bit of fighting between Puck and all that. But there's like Psylocke is getting like the knife blade, psychic blade through her head and then she's killing off hers and you flip the page and the Pucks are having a beer telling a joke. (laughs) I thought that was hysterical. So yeah, this is still fun to read. Not up everybody's alley, but definitely digging it. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got? Uh, I've actually caught up some on Indestructible Hulk. I had fallen a bit behind. Oh, so have I. Because for a while there, it just kind of became the Hulk team-up comic. You had Hulk teaming up with Thor, Hulk teaming up with Daredevil, and there was a couple others in there. But uh, now it's actually him dealing with like the after effects of the Age of Ultron, where, again, you know the time stream is broken, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of like the weird stuff we saw going into this finally starts to make sense. Like the armor Hulk is wearing allows him to travel through the time stream. And the little, you know, robot thing that, you know, was such a like in all the promotional art, everybody's like, oh, what the heck was that? And like Hulk destroyed it, I think, in the second issue. Yeah. Over and well, over. it's finally become a part of the story because the robot is Banner's personality digitized. So you have the Hulk and Banner oh. in the comic at the same time, and it's actually very entertaining. Cool. And then also Venom. Uh, it's, it's actually coming to a close soon. I think December or November is the last issue. And it's gotten really crazy in a good way again because he accidentally spawned a sidekick. <laughs> a teenage girl who now has control of the symbiote as well, calling herself Mania. And it is – it's – hilarious and twisted in all the great ways that a Venom comic should be. That's another one I've actually fallen behind on. I need to get caught up. Mm -hmm. And I've also read a couple of the Villains Month things. Again, not going into too great detail because that's going to be an upcoming episode. Um, I haven't read very many and I haven't liked most of those. (laughs) It's it's been a crapshoot. Because I said, a comic that you could normally be really enjoying, the Villains Month issue might kind of suck because it's a different writer different artist different everything i i haven't read any of them yet i'm kind of putting them aside and it's going to be one of those i'm going to have to force these down (laughs) so i'm going to be reading a bunch of them oh god (laughs) keep the trash can handy (laughs) that's all i got for us this week all right so this week here i am i'm not bothering like you with the dots because we got like point we got point one, point two, point three. This is so far beyond ridiculous. As I said on Twitter last oh week, God. I am now refusing to allow comic publishers to use decimal points because coming up in like November and December, Marvel is actually putting parts of words after the decimal point now. Yeah, well, they've done that before it's gone with crazy. the AU and stuff. It's, yeah, no, this be- is utter uh, stupidity. I don't know who came up with this idea and thought that it was a good one, but this is beyond stupid now it's anyways and so we've got and i'm not even bothering with the who the villains are in these because apparently the only important no, thing no i'm not we got action comics batman batman and robin batman oh we also got a batman beyond universe number two we got uh batman the dark knight we got detective comics flash green lantern justice league justice league dark justice league of america superman swamp thing teen titans and wonder woman Basically, crap loads of everything. Everything that came out the last two weeks is so, coming out again. Yeah, again, with a point one or two or three. Knock yourself out. On the Marvel side, we've got Cable and X-Force number 14. There's still fantastic stuff there. And especially the, the character development between um, Colossus and Domino. 
Yes. Seriously digging it. Captain Marvel, number 16. Daredevil, number 31. Infinity, number 3 of 6. New Avengers, number 10. Powers Bureau, number 7. Savage Wolverine, number 8, which I can't wait to read that. Secret Avengers, number 9. Superior Carnage, number 3. Superior Spider-Man, number 18. Thor, whatever. Um, Thunderbolts, just because you mentioned that. (laughs) Ultimate Comics, number... Ultimate Comics X-Men, number 31. Uncanny X-Men, number 12, which is another Battle of the Atom. Uh, Venom, number 41. Wolverine Max, number 11. And X-Men Legacy, number 17. Crap loads to read. Just just pass on the Villains Month stuff and buy Marvel. Basically, yeah, because there's a ton of good stuff there, man. On the image side, we've got Minigab number 14, Morning Glories 31, and Zero number one, which is a new one, obviously, from the name. And uh, it seemed like it might be interesting, actually. I did the, read the little thing on it, and it looked like it might be interesting. So something to, to give a shot. And then from the others, not much from the others that I found. We've got a couple, though, from Dark Horse. A new one, Buzzkill number one, which kind of had a little twist where somebody's hero power is actually he gets it from drinking so he decides to stop drinking i don't know what they're going to do with this but it was like okay and it reminded me i read there was actually for a very brief instance for one issue there was a a villain whose powers were derived from cocaine and it was like this was kind of the same kind of thing except with alcohol. And then a, was that an old Luke Cage comic? I don't know what it was. Um, <laughs> and Kiss Me Satan, number one, a new one for people who are into supernatural stuff and whatnot. So, yeah, tons for you guys to read. And with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap. Thanks for watch- watching. And with that, we're going to shut up. I'm going to redo it, actually. <laughs> Screw it, I'm not. Thanks for listening. You can, of course, find the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBinformer. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.